0: And then she's like grown it into like a crazy, like kind of solopreneur business, now has a partnership with like Microsoft Office. Like. Damn. From Rock's Exploration, our family owned small business, this is Rocks Energy, a show about the oil and gas industry as we live it and breathe it each day. I'm Adam Oxen. let's get on with the show. Okay, Donnie Davis, or I should say Donnie Donald Draper Davis. Thank you. Welcome to the Rock Synergy Podcast. Appreciate it. Donnie, for those who don't know, is the co-host of the Oil Money Podcast. He's a digital marketer with Digital Wildcatters. Donnie, thanks for coming on.
1: Appreciate it, man. Been a while. That actually hasn't been a while because we tried this a week ago, but it's technically been a while.
0: Technically been a while. That's right. That's right. So.
1: If we don't count the technical difficulties.
0: Yeah. There's a lot that people don't see behind all of this, right? Or or here that uh it can go can go really good or it can go not so good. Um, so, right. so let's talk about sales versus marketing. You got experience and background in oil field sales and then you kind of transitioned into digital marketing. How do you think your sales background prepared you for your role, you know, like what you're doing now at Digital Wildcatters?
1: Well, the trickiest part is, well, with digital wildcatters, I actually do sales, more specifically event sales right now and and advertising sales. But I think that the two things aren't too far apart. I mean, I know that there are pure play marketers and there are pure pure play salespeople. But I think that at least in my experience, COVID showed me that you kind of have to have both skills. And I mean, most of, if you read a sales book, you kind of realize that everything is sales. If you really think about it, like, you know, getting your way in any situation requires the same skills that sales requires, but very, very complimentary, especially once everything got locked up and you couldn't go face to face anymore. And maybe, you know, if you already had a great network, that was cool. But if you were new, you kind of had to learn how to market yourself before you could learn how to market a company or, you know, whatever you're trying to sell, you kind of have to sell yourself before you can sell the product. That's kind of my philosophy on it. Especially nowadays, you almost have to have both skills. So that's kind of my approach: is like get people to be aware of and familiar with, and maybe even trust me or enjoy hearing what I have to say, or you know, whatever. Uh, it sounds gross when you say it out loud, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's worked so far.
0: Right, right. And we'll talk about like content creation and why that's so important for individuals and companies. I definitely want to hit that, but like also, I know you do like the midnight marketing. Is that something you started up, or no, is that no, a group no. you were working? with or
1: no yeah that's all Tim Taylor and I went and worked with them for about six months learned a massive amount he's got a really really good team everybody that he has over there is is super solid and they kind of they act as like fractional CMOs for their clients, so they pay, in my opinion, a very, very minimal fee. They get a massive amount for what they pay, and they get top quality every time. So, can't recommend them enough. If you're, if anybody's in the market for uh, digital marketing services, especially in oil and gas, they have that whole thing sewed up.
0: That's awesome. That's very cool.
1: But Yeah, I'm not affiliated with them, and I, and uh, I was officially not working with them anymore as of January first, just because I kind of moved on to some some real estate in the background and trying to. Trying to get some other things off the ground.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Content creation. What is it? How important is it? Why? So oil like I know your background, oil and gas service companies, us being operators, yes. like and maybe 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 we'll get capital providers listening to this too. Why should you be generating content? What's the big deal there?
1: Man, it's it's almost like a why wouldn't you be generating content at this point? I know I'm trying not to quote what's his name? The real estate guy. I can't think of his name right now, but it'll come to me. The 10X you might not be familiar with him. But anyway, there's this huge fear with people that aren't putting out content or aren't active on social media, that they're going to be annoying or people are going to get tired of seeing them. But the opposite end of that spectrum is that nobody even knows you're there. Nobody even knows what products you're offering. Nobody knows what you've done for your current customers or what you could do for them. So what's worse? I mean, the worst case scenario is that they know exactly who you are. They know what you do and they're not interested in it.
0: What do you think the drawback? Is it like fear? I mean, what's hindering people from creating content? Is it not knowing where to start? Is it not not knowing what to say? Is it fear? Like what? Is it a combination? What do you think?
1: Especially in terms of like personal branding and content creation, it's definitely a lot of fear or thinking falsely that you don't have anything to add to the conversation. Or I think most of it based off the conversations I hear, it's just fear of judgment or are afraid they're going to look stupid or they're going to say the wrong thing. But people aren't paying that much attention. And guess what? Sometimes, you know, you do look stupid, but everybody looks stupid. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? It's it's a part of life. You have to look stupid. Yeah.
0: It's just, it's part of being human. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, that's good, man. That's totally good. So I've got a bone to pick with you. We talked before this. You're like, hey, if you want to talk Bitcoin, we can. And then <laughs> then I read this post. Hold on, I got to find it. What did you say? I read this post after you said, full disclosure, I don't, under this is Donnie Davis, full disclosure. I don't understand blockchain technology at all. So <laughs> what the heck, man?
1: I don't understand it. Like like we we're just saying, I'm not afraid to look stupid. There you go. I would love to learn about it. The best way to learn about it is to admit that you don't know anything about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And I think, I think it is important to learn about, generally speaking, but also in regards to oil and gas. Like, you know, a lot of people are getting into it, mining. But I think just generally speaking, I mean, it's so top of mind for everyone with what's going on in the country as far as you know, inflation, what the Fed is doing, all of that. So what are you guys doing with this conference at Digital Wildcatters Empower? Tell me about that.
1: So it's going to be awesome. So essentially, so just due to the nature of Digital Wildcatters and kind of being on the forefront of the tech space, startup space, and just being around really smart people all the time, but also being from oil and gas, most of us, we kind of have this built-in audience, obviously, of oil and gas professionals, the younger crowd coming in. We're also, you know, starting to pull in some of the early boom. They're coming around. But we just have a lot of connections that are also, you know, doing work with Bitcoin, either mining or, you know, brokering deals with between, you know, people with flare gas and all that stuff. So um, it just kind of made sense. And it's obviously it's very interesting to the founders as well, but it just made sense to make an event that would collide the miners and the whole kind of ecosystem of mining and the energy industry, which is our core audience, so to speak. So it's just it's basically if you've ever been to a Digital Wildcars event, it's that times about 10 because it's a multi-day thing and it's a kind of more of a festival with some conference and convention type. The stuff that you want to see, like the keynotes and the panels and some exhibitions and stuff like that, but it's just going to be a good time. It's going to be live music and drinking and after parties and all that stuff too. So it's just going to be a good time for everybody, but also educational at the same time.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Are you guys having anyone from Unchained Capital come to that? Do you know?
1: Yes. I want to say it's Mario okay. and then we're also working with them on bringing in some more speakers and sponsors and stuff as well.
0: Very cool. Yeah, yeah I heard Parker Lewis talking, so, I mean, I've heard him talking multiple times but like the first time I heard him I think was on what Bitcoin did and he was just talking about, you know, what is money? What is Bitcoin? What money problems does Bitcoin solve? And, and so those guys are doing great work over there at Unchained Capital but I just really loved how he talked about Bitcoin, you know, it's scarce, it's divisible and it's easy to transfer. So, yeah, I think if you guys are working with them, that's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be really cool. We're gonna be there. Awesome. Kevin and I are gonna be down there. So we'll see you there. But let me ask you we've been talking about this content creation, talking about marketing. What should we be doing at Rocks? Like, you know, being a small family operator, we've got working interest partners that, you know, invest in our deals with us. But then, you know, we're like I said, we're a small family firm. We're not a bit, we don't have a giant marketing budget. We're not a Devon. We're not a publicly traded company. What can we be doing, you know, from our perspective to get in? front of people and to create good content.
1: I mean, it seems like you're already getting started, right? I mean, Mm. you literally can't start to refine what you're doing until you just start doing it. I mean, I've seen you guys post really well done videos. I've seen you guys, you guys have social media and stuff like that, which is like almost unheard of for operators. So you're already kind of doing more than what is the norm, so to speak. But I mean, I think in terms of it has to be educational for whatever you're trying to tell people, you know, whatever reason you're trying to get attention, you know, you have to get the, you have to do something engaging that gets the attention and then it has to be, there has to be utility in it so that people can Uh get whatever you're putting across. So if you're trying to bring in investors, it has to be clear, like these are the benefits of oil and gas investing and this is how you can join us in that. You know what I mean? So, but it almost seems like you kind of have to build the audience before you start selling them the thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's the thing we're trying to find this balance between like, because, you know, overall as an industry, oil and gas hasn't done a good job of letting, you know, the broader society know what it is we do and what we provide. So I think think that's one of our goals is just, hey, like most people don't realize that a lot of oil and gas operators and producers are small firms. They're independents that have probably less than 20 employees or they might be a family firm like us. That's the vast majority. But I think most people think of, you know, publicly traded companies and the like and and kind of faceless, nameless buildings, you know, in Houston or Oklahoma City or Denver. So that's kind of one of our main goals. And then, yeah, just, you know, hopefully, it's also entertaining at the same time, so.
1: Yeah, I didn't even realize, until, I mean, I've worked in the industry for 12 years and I didn't realize until last year that there's opportunities to just be an investor in oil and gas wells. You just, you pay up front and then if the well's successful, you get paid based off the production of the well. I had no idea. Coming from like, I had done a lot of research in real estate investment and you know, you hear a lot about, there's all these people that just, they are high income, high earning individuals, but they're very busy. So they just, you know, they work with a couple different brokers they get put on for either, you know, flipping properties or just investment properties in general. But those same people could get pulled into the oil and gas space just as easily. They just don't know that it's a possibility.
0: Yeah, we were, we're literally talking this uh, on a kind of stand up phone call yesterday with the team, like saying real estate investors, yeah, would, would eat this up. I don't think they realize the tax benefits of oil and gas investing because it is so hard. I mean, that's, that's one thing, you know, it is such a regulated industry. And so we're trying to find where we fit in, in that, but yeah, I mean, the tax benefit, I mean, you can invest directly in an oil and gas well and you can write off a hundred percent of that. Actually, the intangibles have always been a hundred percent, but since I think 2017, you can write off the tangibles also. You can take an accelerated like first year depreciation. So, I mean, when you look at that, your investments hundred percent write off, and then, you know, you're getting a return in the first year of like, we were just running some numbers, you know, one of our wells is 30% return in the first year. So when you start coupling the tax write-offs with the returns, I mean, it's a, it's a great potential investment. However, it is risky and this none of this is financial advice right
1: uh,
0: <laughs> hey it's adam here i wanted to tell you more about rocks exploration at rocks we drill complete and operate oil and gas wells right here in oklahoma what does that mean that means we make money through the drill bit by drilling for and producing oil and gas but we also make money for our working interest partners What's a working interest partner? That's an individual or small business that invests in an oil and gas well. It's not unlike a real estate investment. You see, drilling a well is extremely costly from geology to land to legal to drilling and completion and production. It takes a lot of time, resources, and people. Rocks takes care of all of that and our working interest partners align with us to take advantage of our expertise and experience. Each drilling project brings together tax write-offs and potentially high ROIs. So if you're interested in learning more about rocks exploration and our drilling projects, head to rocks.energy. That's www.rox.energy to find out more. Just let that know. But I mean, it is risky because I mean, you could drill a well and the return is nothing. It could be a dry hole and you're plugging the thing. Right. So there is that side of it. But yeah. yeah, no, that's crazy. I think that's a lot even within our industry because you can get segmented, right? You can be, you know, in service or you can be in engineering or you and even in the engineering, you might be, you know, on the drilling side of it as opposed to the completion side or production. Like, yeah, there's, there's silos. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks
1: for that. Of course. Yeah, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. And plus, I mean, you're you're probably going to be be. too humble to admit it but I think you're the you're the man behind the videos right so as long as you can keep it in house we all get
0: involved in that Kevin's really part of that too handy on the drone and that stuff so oh that's yeah I mean we get our hands into everything in the business so and that's something cool too that you know I love seeing these businesses business ideas and startups and you know following these guys that are solopreneurs and you see a lot of them in the tech space right building in public where they're like hey yeah I quit my job five years ago and then I built this and then I built this and built this you're like whoa what like but That's five years ago, right? And they've been building for five years and then you get to see now, you know, the fruition of that. So yeah, we're trying to figure out like, I feel a little bit like we're late to the game in that scenario. But what about you? Like, when did you really start like consciously thinking about this kind of building the Donnie Davis, you know, brand?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do it as briefly as possible. But 2017, my wife got pregnant with our daughter and that's when I was still a well planner at a directional drilling company. Well, I had basically been doing it for 11 years and I knew that I wanted more. I wanted to raise the ceiling of my potential earning. And I just knew like well planning was not, I could start going down some technical rabbit holes of getting really, really good at certain things or specializing in things, but I just didn't want to do it. I'd sat behind the desk for way, way, way too long. So at that point decided I want to get into sales and I figured directional sales was, going to be a no brainer, but it wasn't a no brainer to anybody else that I talked to. So Mm. I bashed my head against the wall for like a year trying to get, well, I got successfully got meetings with a lot of different sales managers and it just, you know, it wasn't worth the risk or they wanted me to be a well planner and a salesman and, and all this stuff. And I just wasn't, I wasn't flexible enough in that, in those early stages. I think if I had been willing to wiggle a little bit, it probably would have happened faster, but Fast forward, Patterson ended up buying the company that I worked for and I saw an opportunity to take a severance and I had decided I'm just going to go into real estate sales and then eventually real estate investing. Took that severance and then I made this really stupid post on LinkedIn about how, well, at the time it was like right in the middle of COVID and oil was going down. Yeah. So every single week you saw due to the current climate and everything going on, I'm no longer with blah, bitty, blah, 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 company. And so I just said, I'm sad to announce that after 12 years, blah, blah, blah company finally caught me in the uh, supply closet, stealing supplies. And I'm no longer there. I'll let you know <laughs> something like I'm working on the next thing. But in the meantime, if you need Sharpies or Post-it notes, uh, hit me up. Yeah, it went viral on LinkedIn, like 100,000 views, all these likes and shares and all this stuff. And that was whenever I really saw and job offers, literally like three or four. People reaching out saying, "Hey, love the attitude. Would love to have you on the team." People outside of oil and gas, even it was because of that post that I realized, oh, like this is an effective way to reach people, and you know, kind of like highlight what may or may not be a good attribute. And I just that's where I saw the value in LinkedIn and and social media.
0: Yeah. Okay. You told me like uh, kind of your view where, where maybe we can keep doing some stuff. What What about the oil and gas industry in general? What would you say to like you know if you could talk to Harold Hamm, like say, "Hey, Continental should be doing this,"
1: or a company like that? I mean, not Harold, like what would you say? I think just due to the conversations I'm having right now, I think that we, in general, we just don't do a good job of PR. It's always kind of like, if you don't like us or you believe something that's not true about our industry, we don't need you, you know, kick rocks. You couldn't have your clothes or your car without us. So kiss my ass basically. And we, you can get away with saying that to a certain extent because it's true, but maybe it doesn't need to be said like that. Maybe we can just put out more content based around what we do that's good for the environment, what we do that's good for society, mm-hmm. that fact that you society as it stands wouldn't exist without us. It just doesn't have to be said in such a shitty way all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: be cool, guys. Be chill.
1: Yeah, be, be a marketer about it. Yeah, But then there's also like the mudslinging that's like, you know, we highlight what's wrong with wind and we highlight what's wrong with solar. But it's totally possible that they could all exist and all be productive. It's just, you know, there's obvious downsides to it. We all know it they, you know, if someone has the wool pulled over their eyes, we're not going to change it by being assholes about it. Right. So that's what I would do. I would love to see large EMPs or large service companies that make the millions of dollars start putting out the same level of content, documentaries and stuff that the anti of our industry does super regularly. Yeah. I've talked about this before on another podcast, but like way, 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 way back. There was a movie called Fern Gully that was basically yeah. like, <laughs> it was basically anti, I guess, deforestation, but at the same time.
0: Dude. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a, I've got a story on Fern Gully. I've got a story where you,
1: please let's hear
0: it. We're, you know, we're kids, we're kids. And my, my mom takes us you know, and my, my dad, see, I don't know what's Ferngully, early 90s, right? Mm-hmm. So Russ, my father, geologist, had started Rocks in 89, you know, so he's out on his own selling deals and starts operating in 91. And so we go with our friends, mom takes us to this Ferngully movie and like, I don't know, I don't even remember it, but like 15 minutes in, you know, it's like basically oil producers are evil. hundred percent, right away. And she's like, we're out of here. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> Pulls us all out of the seats, goes out, got the popcorn and drinks and everything in the front desk. Like, here's the tickets back. Give us our money back. (laughs) We're (laughs) done with this. Like, peace out. So, yeah, that's my friend goalie story.
1: That's amazing. That's your mom's ride or die. I like that.
0: Yeah, she's hardcore.
1: She knows who's paying the bills. She's great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But no, so Ferngully, like, what was your point on it? Like the movie, like the entertainment side of it, like of the other side of...
1: Just anything, right? I mean, if that's actually what I love about Digital Wildcatter so much is that they're doing everything they can to steer the narrative <laughs> and drive the narrative in the opposite direction. Whereas it's everybody else that I see, it's either, like I said, they're either super argumentative, they don't really address the Points made, they just make their own points. And instead, we could be highlighting the good that we do. And there's even like, I know you're going to want to rip this apart, but there's even really good stuff being done. Good stuff being done on the side of emission reduction and ESG and carbon capturing and and whatever. I don't even understand all the carbon stuff, same as the Bitcoin. But people are attempting to do good and we just don't talk about it enough, at least.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the ESG thing is an interesting, like I was telling you before we started doing the show, like I was at a capital conference about this and the ESG thing. What what I don't like about it is it's basically like a manipulative like club. It's basically its origins are a top down thing decided by these big fund managers that are like, we're going to do this because we've been unable to do this politically. So we're going to do this. We're going to put all these things in what you can and can't invest in as an an investment firm or as a bank, you can't lend on these things. So they're trying to push these kind of what's really kind of a social political thing down in this manipulative way. And really, I think what's sad about it is the beneficiaries of like when you've got these massive, you know, funds that are managing people's retirement counts and whatnot, pulling out of energy and oil and gas, those assets, those companies that exist and have those revenues and assets don't go away. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be there right. and someone else is going to end up owning those assets and revenues. Right. And you know who like Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Bloomberg family, right. Michael Bloomberg family, like massive investors in oil and gas. But on the public side, it's man, this stuff is not good. We need the ESG and all that, then, you know, is important. And oil and gas has done an incredible job of maintaining the environment. Like my dad grew up in California, my grandparents, and uh, like the beaches back in the day used to be covered with globs of oil and just, you know, slicks and you couldn't go hang out at the beach like we do today until the offshore drilling started happening and really cleaning up those beaches yeah. by pulling all that oil that was just ending up, you know, in the water. So I agree with you. I think there's ways if you can highlight stories like that and be like, hey guys, you know we don't don't just uh destroy you know when we go build a location and drill like we do this in a really organized we work with the landowner who's really happy to have us there especially if they own the minerals but they're happy on that side we keep their property clean we work with them if you do have to plug and abandon a well a responsible operator cleans that thing up and leaves it better than it was before so i think you're right like if we could come at it like from a positive like shine a positive light on the things going on in the oil patch that would be a really good thing because no one likes to hear you you know griping about something they want to hear you know a great inspirational motivational story
1: right if you feel like you're backed into a corner and all of society is talking about the evil of what you've chosen as a career it's easy to dig your heels in and you know be like no you're you're just you're stupider than me you know what I mean like it's (laughs) it's like super stupid you're stupid (laughs) exactly but if we just if you could just start telling stories at least it would be another voice that people are hearing as they're growing up but as of right now it's just left side so that's the
0: problem does digital wildcatters do anything like do they work with groups to produce content for them or is it all just dw does dw
1: stuff yes we've done some stuff with energy strong and then we just put out like a 20 minute long netflix quality documentary with eqt and a dairy farm that's on some of the land that they leased which is really really compelling and really good i I suggest if you haven't seen it check it out anybody else listening where's it at is it on youtube is it youtube you can just go to the digital wildcatters youtube it's called american shale and new hope and it's really really good very cool more stuff like that coming down the pipe as well very cool Yeah.
0: Okay, Donnie. Well, man, I've enjoyed this. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. Oil Money Podcast. Do we send people there? Where do people go to find more Donnie
1: Davis? Oil Money, for sure. It's currently on hiatus right now, but it will come back whenever timing is right. But there's a good catalog to go back and check out if you'd like me and my sillier goose companion, Yusuf Chaudhry, with random guests. And sometimes it's just us two. That's pretty much it. I did win on the... Oh, that's one thing I was going to say. On the content creation side. Yeah, yeah. Personal, whenever I was much... Much less busy. I started doing a show called Whiskey or Wonty yeah. where I would just sample whiskeys and it was actually a lot of fun. But I was just going to say as a word of caution for people that decide to do content creation, make sure it's something that you're actually like passionate about. Because I just did it as a goof. I thought that whiskey or wonty was a funny thing. I planned to do it like two or three times and then people started really liking it. So I just kept doing it. But then I don't really drink that much, but it became <laughs> like people would be like, oh, let's go drink some whiskey. And I'm like, I mean, I'm fine drinking a whiskey, but it's just not, Like it became like synonymous with who I am. Like, guys, I want a dram. I don't want like three (laughs) whiskeys,
0: and I don't want it every day.
1: And I might just want some water every once in a while too. (laughs) That is the only word of caution I would do is this. Whatever you decide to do could and and possibly will become synonymous with your actual personal brand and what people associate with you. So just make sure it's something that you actually are passionate about.
0: Yeah, it's got to be your passion. It's got to be your love because you're going to be doing it. Exactly. <laughs> Whether you like to or not. That's what they
1: say. I, I don't really look at TikTok that much, but I've seen enough of them. But they say like, I really feel bad for, you know, such and such person because they do this one shtick one time and it blew up. And now they have to do this every single day. Like there's this guy that just like dresses up as Mr. Clean and he like scoots his butt on the ground to music. And now that's all he's known for. So you just have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're the Mr. Clean butt scooting guy. <laughs>
1: and that's just your whole life now.
0: Man, yeah. TikTok is a whole nother thing we have not got into at all. I mean, yeah, I've been, been on there, seen some stuff, but I did hear of this this lady that does what she called Miss Excel. You heard of this lady, the spreadsheets? No. She was like an analyst and, you know, really good at Excel. And then she used TikTok to start creating like, hey, want to know how to do this shortcut in Excel? And she, you know, oh. so she like dances and does all the kind of has the cool music and then, but then like the text and like screenshots of this is how you do this in Excel. And And then she's like grown it into like a crazy like kind of solopreneur business like she's got maybe some VAs that work for her and now has a partnership with like Microsoft Office like doing all their stuff so yeah it's interesting how these these platforms have reached so check out Oil Money with Donnie Davis the podcast it's everywhere podcasts
1: are and what's your LinkedIn Twitter handle what are those? LinkedIn Donnie underscore Davis three on everything I think check out Collide it's Digital Wildcatters social media platform it's kind of getting off the ground. It's in its infancy right now. But yeah, other than that, man, just I enjoy k- catching up with you. Thanks for having me on. Likewise. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming on. All right.
1: See you, Donnie. Take care.
0: Hey, if you enjoyed this show, please do us a big favor and leave a review in whatever podcast app you listen to or share with someone you think might enjoy this content. Thanks a lot for listening to Rock Synergy.